Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is a was it was a real treat for me. It was with Garen Havasnian and Serge Tankian and uh, talking about their new film, I Am Not Alone. This is for me. This was a road road movie uh, to, to some degree. It's a documentary. It's it's about the triumph of the human spirit. It's about fighting back. It's about stepping in. It's about how you know if you want to start a movement, you kind of need a dog uh, as a companion to to follow along, uh, to in your footsteps, and maybe to you know to 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 step into the future with you. And and you're going to find out why uh, this particular dog plays such an important role in the film. We we talk about Armenia. We talk about politics and. And, and about movements and change, we get into hopelessness and, and pessimism and and that contrast. We, we talk about idealism and, and something called the Velvet Revolution. And this was uh, this is a film full of hope. This is a film, and especially in, in such a cynical age that we live in, it, it, it's something that, you're, I mean, you're going to want to see it. And it's the kind of film that, that you're going to walk out of the theater or, or, or watch it on. Uh, on a sc- whatever screen you choose to watch it on, you're going to go, "Wow, this is uh, this is what it means to be human." Human. This is what it means to to step into the future in a way that that's meaningful and relevant and and full of intention, and 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 also kind of have a good time while doing it. This is about politics and social change. And uh, stay tuned uh, for for a, a very fun and interesting interview with with uh, uh, Garen and and Serge. And you might hear, unfortunately. A tiny little bit of radio interference. Uh, we were picking up some sort of Russian radio station uh, on this day. It was we were seventeenth floor of the Intercontinental. I don't know what was going on. I hope it doesn't get into the way in the way too much. But uh, stay tuned. Coming right up. I am not alone. Don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my speaking and my writing. You can find out more information there. You can pick up a copy of Real Changes Incremental. And don't forget uh, face-to-face-live.ca where we, we got a, quite a few interviews this year at the Toronto International Film Festival. A lot more 
more coming up in the near future. You can advertise on the podcast itself. You can get involved by advertising in our newsletter. Sign up for our newsletter. Forward this to a friend. Please leave us a review. Take a few minutes, and we really would appreciate that review on iTunes. And if you want to actually support the work uh, that I'm doing here, you can do that by becoming a Patreon subscriber as well. And 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 if you can't do that financially, we totally get it. But a but a review on Spotify or iTunes or something along those lines would certainly be welcome. Don't forget rabble.ca for a whole host of other interviews uh, with podcasters and bloggers and and people that matter and uh, news for the rest of us. That's rabble.ca and coming right up uh, uh, Serge Tankian and Garen Havasnian talking about their new film I Am Not Alone Well welcome to Face to Face we're joined by two very special guests here with us uh, today to talk about their new film uh, uh, I'm going to say premiering it's premiering on some level here at the uh, Toronto International film, uh, film Festival I Am Not Alone Serge Tankian and Garen Havasnian are here to uh, chat about the film and some of the issues it raises guys thanks for joining me today Thanks for thanks for coming. Thank you so much. And we did have our world premiere last night here. At it was world. I wasn't sure if it was international or world, and I wasn't quite. I mean, it's it's kind of you're allowed to have more than one world premiere, aren't you? Oh, I think it's one world premiere, but you can have a U.S. premiere and a European premiere. But we went straight for the world here in Toronto. And I think that's a, it's a profoundly existential question too, isn't there it? Is. I was thinking of multiple planets. Yeah, you got me going all over the place. Yeah, I mean, what's the closest galaxy? Is what twenty-four trillion light years away, or something like that? You're an engineer; you would know. Well, I don't actually. I just totally made that number up. <laughs> so tell Garen, tell me about the film. Uh, it's 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 a road movie, really, uh, of a sort, isn't it? Uh, uh, is it 300,000 steps in by uh, day 11 or something? That's and th- it, like, it, it is a bit of a road movie, isn't it? Hey, the road to democracy also. No, it's an interesting way of putting it. It is about one man and a small group of followers and a dog that, uh, yeah, hit the road. Uh, they decide to walk two, week, two weeks across the country of Armenia uh, with a very simple but quite outlandish mission to bring down the most powerful uh, government that that country has ever known. Uh, and the road is quite fascinating. Sim- simple and outlandish is is a perfect way to describe sort of what we watch unfold uh, in, in the film. Because when 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 I started, I mean, I kind of knew where we were going, uh, Velvet Revolution, and so on. I read the news, etc., but didn't really know the, the the detail. And 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 saw this one man, Nic- Nicole starting out and, and not really knowing going in. I, I didn't read too much before I started the film, which I'm really glad about, and I'm going to recommend most viewers not read too much before seeing the film. But, uh, yeah, it talk about a build. Talk about a build, a build towards democracy. Definitely. I'm, I'm, as, you, as you put it, when Nicole Pashinian took that first step uh, out of Gyumri and embarked on his two-week uh, expedition across the country to spread the word of the coming revolution... Uh, I don't think uh, anybody believed that what he was saying was even remotely possible. Um, and as he walked across the country with this small group of followers, um, he actually wrote a poem, which became a song. And the refrain of that song is what uh, gives us the title of the film. Because as they walked, the revolutionary sang again and again, I am not alone, I am not alone, I am not alone. And of course, for a very long time, they were alone or at least they appear to be so. So this entire uh, movie, in a sense, is about uh, maybe even the magic power of these words, uh, the power of um, 
that desperate people all across the world fighting within their communities, within their schools, within their countries, fighting for, for justice, and suffering from this feeling that, well, maybe this is all pointless. Maybe nobody cares. Maybe nobody's going to join us. And yet, maybe if you believe hard enough, and maybe if you uh, uh, insist on insist on this theory that if only I walk, if only I believe, if only I truly accept that I am not alone, then people will join and within a few weeks, he really wasn't alone. And the Armenian capital of Yerevan and the entire country had erupted with hundreds of thousands of people sweeping through the streets in chaotic and beautiful and peaceful acts of decentralized civil disobedience. He's, he's quite a polite political dissident, too, which I thought was really interesting when he breaks into the television station uh, search, right? I mean, uh, one of my, I probably, I mean, there's so many sort of favorite moments for me, but one of my more favorite moments, and then apologizes after breaking in and kind of this little bit of a a TV-like coup that occurs and apologizes to the people that he's just sort of offended and then goes on to speak to the nation. Yeah, it's quite comical. Um, And yes, he is very diplomatic. I mean, he's a journalist by trade, well-educated, and, you know, been in the the opposition as a a member of parliament for many years. And and, uh, so, yeah, you know, part of of the ethos of this revolution was the peacefulness, the kind of also positive spirit, you know. Um, It shouldn't be a downer to participate in the progressive future of your own nation it should be an upper it should be it should be fun you know it was a cultural revolution as well you know um you know people were singing and dancing in the street you know during the revolution i mean that that's that's unheard of you know um it's a really great example i think um of as Guardian explained how positive change can occur in a divisive society that we have today well, it could have gone so wrong. I mean, obviously, there was violence. Uh, there were some people who died. There were some pretty tragic things along the way. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts, too, on the, on the poverty and the corruption and so on. I mean, so many countries suffer from those types of things. Revolutions don't necessarily, well, history has shown they don't always end quite as well, in a sense, as this one did. Is that a fair uh, statement, Karen? Absolutely. Serge and I uh, both have been involved in various social and political movements, predecessors of this movement in Armenia for more than 10 years now, um, all of them, in one way, had failed. These movements came. They tried to bring change. Some of them end in violence. Some of them ended simply by dissipating. Um, But they always ended, and there was always a sense that um, any revolutionary process or social movement was condemned to fail. But that's not the way we look at it, because each movement helped inform the other. The techniques that were being learned from each so-called failed movement were actually making the next movement that much more powerful. And finally, with the most recent one, in March and April of 2018, the key was found. And the key was this unique kind of revolution, which was, we're not going to call the people to the single square and make them pitch tents and sleep there and suffer in the cold and, you know, infuse them and warm them up with the the, the responsibility of what good citizens... No, 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 no. This is about fun. This is about taking ownership of your country. This is about decentralizing with your friends and shutting down roads and going on uh, student strikes or worker strikes. 
this is democracy is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be energetic. It's supposed to be creative. It's supposed to be imaginative. And that's what appealed to Serge and me most of all, which was that this was really a creative revolution. It was really an artist's revolution. You sound like a political science student. Do you, do you have a little bit of that in your background, Karen? Or? Uh, I mean, I have a journalist. Uh, I have a journalistic background, but but living in Armenia uh, turns you into politics. When you live in a society where when you're confronted endlessly with political and social issues, it becomes difficult to write. Um, you know, to sit in my apartment writing something when right outside my window there's 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 another social movement taking shape. And so my uh, sort of trying to be an artist in Armenia has always been hampered by the noise of the street, which forces me yet again to pick up my camera, go down the stairs, go outside and film, knowing full well that this is probably going to be a giant waste of my time and that nothing is going to come out of this. And I certainly have thousands of hours of footage uh, in hard drives of failed movements and failed revolutions and movies that never found their third act. Here, finally, we had a movie that found its third act. Um, and so, although technically this this movie uh, took you know just over a year to make, it's I would say it took more than more than ten years. Well, that's what's kind of interesting to me, and I'd love to hear either of you chat about it. So many questions, by the way. Oh, and I haven't congratulated you guys. It's a great film. It's a fun film. As you say, democracy should be fun. I'm always looking for a soundbite every day. I think I just found my soundbite for today. <laughs> democracy should be fun. Um, but it, it really is. There's, uh, I mean, I've, I've been talking about incremental change for years, that idea of you know the water drop and the step. And this is controversial, right, from a, from a, from a social change perspective. Do you need to turn things up and blow them up uh, metaphorically and maybe literally sometimes? Or does change happen one, you know, one step at a time? I mean, in this case, as Godin said, it, it did happen one step at a time. I mean, you'll see the final result um, in this particular revolution, but it, it took many failed revolutions and many movements and many, you know, um, violent actions and nonviolent actions for people to learn, both in, in terms of the people and the government, to learn what to do next, um, which is very interesting. Uh, however, I do feel like the decentralized civil disobedience portion of uh, the film, the magic, what we call the magical key, can be something really inspiring for new generations and around the world that are looking for social progress, that are looking to change, uh, you know, more democratization out of their oppressive state in a way that's never been done before. I mean, we we find that to be. We find this revolutionary to be. Re we find the revolution to be revolutionary in its techniques. So, is this going to become a model going forward? Is that what I'm hearing you're saying? I think so. Wow! All right, revolutions in a box, but a really big box that has no lid. I mean, the lesson will always need to be applied to the specific circumstance. Con context is everything, right? For sure, for sure. Taking into account the political climate of the given country. Uh, the particular weakness of the rulers of that country, uh, and the uh, the particular interests and the skill sets of the people to uh, to realize a revolution. But I do think, in general, um, this wearing out of the police by not not giving them the great gift of consolidating in a very certain place and allowing them to control the situation. That was, you know, to to sort of uh, apply what we're saying specifically, a lot of it was about wearing down the police, to be quite quite honest. 
um, because when you force the police to decentralize, when it's about college kids who have a lot of energy to run from one intersection to the other, to the other, to the other, and soon enough, you have an entire police force that is exhausted and that has totally lost control of their country. That's what happened. So, Serge, I think you were, uh, mentioned earlier about the film being about hope, and we've, Garin, you've talked about democracy being fun and so on, and there really is this this charming edge to the film, even though you're not quite sure, even if you've read uh, the news, how this may may turn out. And it doesn't always turn out as well for some, and, and others you know, are, 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 are maybe kicked to the side along the way. But I want to ask you about the hopelessness and the pessimism, because that does come out in the film and a few of the interviews. And somebody um, says, you know, uh, my paraphrase here, but Armenians were convinced that they didn't have the power to change. And, and yet here we are, I am not alone, Step by step, we got a dog, we got one or two guys and a megaphone. Where, where's everybody else? Yeah, there was that pessimism. I remember going to Armenia in 2017 for the last parliamentary elections that were before the revolution. And there, were, you know, there was a lot of vote buying and a lot of vote selling. And you know, it, you know, when the results came in, it was the predictable results. It was more consolidation of the previous regime and it was quite depressing that that no real change had occurred you know knowing that the people wanted that change they were desperate for that change for more economic stimuli more more you know uh, uh, justice in the courts like all of the things that they deserve Um, so it was very depressing Uh, I remember in 2017 leaving going, man, I don't know, I don't, this is going to take another 20 years or, you know, that kind of stuff. And within a year, bam, it was there. The timing was right. The people were ready. It was the right stimu- stimulus. Uh, it was the right time. It was the right emotive factor. And they stumbled upon the perfect technique. It was the perfect storm. It's interesting, you know, you talk about the, the timing and so on. I wanted to ask you about that. You know, 10 years, this film is kind of 10 years in the making, but yet you started shooting... Uh, is, did, did I hear you right? About 2018, so not that long ago. But th- you're, you're kind of referring more to the history the and, and the backstory and the context and what's going on. And and how do you get to that point? I mean, you know, probably won't be a, a, a textbook case of revolutions necessarily. You can't take this and stick it into Mongolia or not that Mongolia needs a revolution, but you know what I mean, into another context and, and expect the same results. And I wonder, you know, Nicole talked about citizens knocking on citizens' doors, which I thought was just such a beautiful line. Was there something about that sense uh, that, 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 that changed the way this teased out? Does that make sense, Karen? Uh, I'll try to unpack that because I think there's something there. Nicole, Nicole does say that, you know, the time had come, that, that he wanted to create a situation where it's not the police knocking on the citizens' door, but it's the citizens knocking on the doors of power. And I thought that's, that's, that was fascinating because it, it really um, hones in a, uh, and really defines this as uh, a proactive revolution of, of, again, it's not about standing. It's not about chanting. It's not, it's not about speeches. This wasn't about speeches. It was about action. People don't know what to do when they're just standing at a square and listening to the same speech again and again and again about the corruption because there's nothing to do with that inspiration. You're, you're being filled with all of this energy, but the energy has no direction. And finally, the energy had an outlet. You could do something with it. It's like the dissidents let down. After the big rally, you go home... 
It's a lot of rah-rah. Now what are we going to do? Now what are we going to do? And Nicole always insisted. I mean, he obviously believes in collective power, but in terms of the linguistic solution, it was always about the I. It was always about the individual. And it was, all, it was, a, it was not about pressuring others. He would repeat again and again, folks, I'm, I am taking my step. Will you take your step? This is what I'm doing. Today, I'm going to go, I'm going to sit in front of this green bus, and I'm not going to let the bus move. What do you want to do? It's a great scene, by the way. I mean, it's the, and the bus, is it the bus driver that's yelling at him? Yeah. Which is so fantastic. So get, out, get out of my way. I got I to gotta feed my family. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about a, a, a revolution here, and that's going on, and this guy's just concerned about it. It makes sense, right? Or, very practical. The first half of the film is very comical because you, you see these guys with great intentions, positive intentions, and every step of the way they are failing, these revolutionaries. Every program, every concept that they come up with, and then they stumble into this kind of accident because they're looking for a solution, like they're really pulling, you know. And uh, one thing we should mention that, that's really important is visualization. I think Nigol had a great way of telling the Armenian people that the current powers are not in power anymore. You are in power. They convinced, you know, remember John Lennon, War is Over? During the Vietnam War, he convinced people that if you actually visualize something it will come true. And he was really good at that. Like he kept on repeating the phrase saying that, you know, they think they're in power, but you, we're in power. They're not in power. Let's show them we're in power. Let's go block these streets here. Let's show them to, uh, noon tomorrow, every bus driver stop in the middle of the road at noon and honk for three minutes. The whole country was a cacophony of sound, a symphony of noise. Um, it's, it's just beautiful. A cacophony of sound. is. Pretty, do you write poetry as well? I do. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay. Going to learn a little bit more about, about your other career, I think, here. We're, we're starting to, to, to cross-fertilize, no, no doubt. So, so does real change happen one step at a time? Is it really incremental? Uh, um, is, this, is, I mean, is this a film for other people to say, maybe this is a revolutionary film about revolutions? I, yes and no. Um, Yes, because change does happen one step at a time. Um, the authorities change. The people change. Um, there's, there's a natural evolution in the way the, the struggle plays out. But to be quite honest, living in Armenia and struggling, the people who've always said, who advocated uh, uh, evolution, have always to us seemed to be, you know, to be copping out. Not all societies needed revol- need revolutionary change, but Armenia did. And the people who always use national security or a thousand other excuses to say, why not one step at a time, didn't take into fact, didn't take into account that the kind of change that Armenia needed was actually fundamental. Because what was going on, actually, is, it was a fascinating uh, sort of phenomenon that happens in, in, in many, uh, it's sort of like the dictator's learning curve, which is the dictatorship is still there. The oligarchs are still extremely wealthy, and yet cosmetically, things seem to be looking pretty good because there's a new group of young, educated Republicans who are going to the West, they're getting degrees, they're coming back, they're putting on a polish in front of the whole enterprise, they have consultants, which their uh, billions of dollars are able, the Western consultants, who can you know, tell them what ties to wear and how to pr- present themselves democratically. From the outside, you may look at these people and say, this is pretty good. These people are English-speaking, fluent. But we on the inside who know uh, 
what lies beneath. I think it's our responsibility to say, no, this is not okay. It's not okay to have cosmetic solutions to deep-rooted corruption, and Armenia is ripe for revolutionary change. So in this case, Armenia did need a revolution, and the people proved that. The percentage, if I may continue that thought, the percentage of the population that actually stood up in Armenia in the end would be uh, comparable to 35 million Americans hitting Washington, D.C., or all over the country and starting blocking roads and telling the, gov- you know, telling the president to um, basically resign. It's powerful. It's very powerful. It, it, it really is, and that's an incredible uh, stat in, in comparison. It, it, was it a quiet revolution in a sense? It was a sneaky revolution. It's it sneaked up. It sneaked up on the authorities, but it wasn't quiet. It was loud because if you were walking on the streets of Yerevan in those few weeks in April of last year, at you would have a piano recital at one corner. You would have a soccer or football game happening in another intersection. You would have uh, you know a, a, a trombone concert. At the, I mean, it was a free for all, and culture and art were a very fundamental. Part of that, it wasn't that these concerts and these expressions of creativity were parts of the revolution. That was the revolution. That was the revolutionary activity. The revolutionary activity was for mothers to bring their babies with strollers and block intersections or for these impromptu games or concerts to happen. That's what the revolution looked like. Nicole says at one point, and, and maybe we can uh, uh, wrap up in the next couple of minutes, sadly. I feel I've, I've been doing this for a while now and uh, coming up on maybe 460 interviews over the past six, seven years. And I'm pretty sure every interview ends too soon. And I feel the same way with you guys. Often I'll say, uh, ho- hopefully we can set up a part two maybe down the road, or maybe it's your next film, Garn. But, but the, Nicole, the quote, there's a step we can take Let's find that step. And I mean, I just thought that was a beautiful, uh, it's not the end of the film, but it's a beautiful kind of, it could be the log line almost in, in a way, you know, because I, I, my background's in philosophy academically, uh, a bit of a, an existentialist in a sense. And the only way we can figure out who we are and that we aren't alone is by taking that step into the future. And I hope I'm not, uh, you know, connecting too many dots that aren't there, but uh, I really see this film as deeply uh, political and philosophical. It's about community. It's about relationships. And, 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 and I mean, it just the, the dog just says it all because it really, it's so beautiful and simple, and yet it's rooted in this sense of, um, of community and home. I don't know. Am I, am I going too far with this, Serge? No, definitely. And, and mentioning the dog, it's kind of funny because well, when I was watching this live streaming from Los Angeles as the revolution was happening, and Nigo is in the square. He's got like 150, 200,000 people in front of him. He's talking really serious and whatever, and he sees the dog, and he just stops what he's doing. And he just goes, oh, Cello's here. Hey, everyone's here. And I'm like, this is the type of revolution that I want to be a part of. The, you know, there's humanity to it. There's love. There's tenderness. And, and serious as, as hell as well, you know. Um, all those different elements really made this such a unique story that it had to be told, desperately had to be told. It's interesting, you know, maybe this could be the last question. Could this have happened without Nicole? Could, 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 could someone, of el- someone else have, have pushed this type of movement forward? There's, there's a certain commitment and passion and tenacity to sit down in front of a bus and to know on some intuitive level that's the right thing to do. If the guy had hit it, the accelerator, everything would have changed. I think everything just lined up. This couldn't have happened without Nicole. 
This couldn't have happened without Serge. This couldn't have happened without the women of Armenia who stood up and stepped up when the men were arrested. Uh, this couldn't have happened without the youth. Um, it was the perfect collaboration of elements that made this happen. Um, and this is how it happened, and I think that's, that's what matters most. Such a beautiful way to end uh, the interview. It was a perfect collaboration. We've been talking here with my new friend Serge and Garin uh, about their uh, beautiful and challenging and important new film, I Am Not Alone. Thanks for your time today, guys. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.